It's great to have you on the show, mate. And uh, I know I uh, first heard about you many years ago when you came to Australia for World Youth Day. What, we, what did you, uh, what did you mm-hmm. think of Australia? Oh, it was amazing. And we actually came back the following year in 2009 and did a few more events locally just because we had so much fun being there. And, um, you know, I didn't get much outside of Sydney, but I'd love to at some point come back and really, you know, get the experience, the outback. We'd love to have you back here, mate. So uh, we'll try and my people talk to your people. We'll try and make things happen, eh? That sounds good. <laughs> now, uh, for those who don't know much about your background, uh, tell us uh, where were you raised and when did you first get into music? Well, I was born in Newfoundland, Canada, uh, and I was, lived there for 20 years. And in 1995, I moved um, to Arizona. Sorry, that's my boy in the background. Um, I've been <laughs> playing music my whole life, and... Um, so music was just something that I always did, and I think when I had a conversion and came back to my faith at the age of 20, it just sort of made sense that this thing that was the most important part of my life would would become the, sort of one of the chief ways in which I expressed my faith. And I understand your parents recognized your musical talent, and you grew up taking piano lessons, and uh, you also played in jazz ensembles, singing in a choir, and you also played in a garage <laughs> rock band. Yeah, yeah, singing... Saying you play the trombone might 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 get you beat up in, high, in junior high school, but uh, but now apparently I, it's a badge of honor. <laughs> but um, I, I did, yeah. I played I played uh, trombone at school, and I think I got exposed to a, just a, such a wide variety of music that way. And, and what was funny was that I was I, you know I'd, I'd be practicing for band, and before band practice would start, a bunch of us who could play other instruments would get together and play, you know, Twist and Shop by the Beatles or John B. Good, and that's sort of how it all got started, and 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 then we turned into a garage band, in, you know, in high school, and we won a couple of, you know, band, battle of the band competitions around town, and we were sort of like, you know, these young scrappers who needed notes from their parents to to, to play in pubs, and, um, and so music, yeah, I mean, music was just, it was just very much part of my DNA. It was, it was obvious to me that this is what I was going to do with my life, so from a career standpoint, it was kind of pretty cut and dry. It, it wasn't until, you know, like I said, I moved to Arizona. I was 20 years old, and that's when, like, my life shifted, and, and I, you know, I sort of became a, a practicing Christian, and and that was when I, I sort of took my faith seriously. And I think when you take your faith seriously, it makes you take every other aspect of your life under con- reconsideration, you know, kind of what am I doing with this area of my life? So music was a natural um product of that. So you say you became a practicing Christian at the age of 20. Was there uh, an event that happened or was it just a gradual thing? What, what happened? 
Well, no, I mean, it was definitely, it was over a period of about six months, but what happened was my parents got divorced and my mom moved back to the States. My mom was American, and I think sort of the tragedy of that, watching your parents go through a divorce, was making me ask some questions, and and so I, I moved. Um, I saw it as an opportunity to kind of head to the States. I wanted to go to L.A. and do film scoring. So I moved with my mom to Arizona and thought, well, I'll stay here for six months, work, and then move to L.A., and tried to do film scoring. So I moved to Arizona. I had a cousin my age. She said, hey, come to church with me. So I did, and it was immediate. I was like, oh, no, this is why I'm here. Um, it was just sort of this immediate sense that it was God who brought me to the desert. And, I mean, Arizona is literally a desert. And um, and so I just felt a general openness to it. And... Um, you know, I think like most people my age, you know, in their 30s, 20s, like everyone says, well, I'm spiritual, you know. So you sort of, you can kind of sense when there's, you know, some sort of divine providence happening. And uh, and um, I think I was raised Catholic, so I, I, I went to a couple different churches, and um, but for some reason the Catholic church just kind of felt like home, And but there was a charismatic community within the boundaries of the of the parish, so just to make things even odder. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, it was just, you know, I was evangelized by charismatic Catholics, you know? So then all of a sudden I was, here was, I went from zero to 60, you know, in about in about three seconds. And for me, it was just a thing of, um, it was, there was a sense of immediacy, you know? Um, and uh, so I just kind of dove head first and didn't look back. And uh, that was 18 years ago. So you obviously understand the message of grace. Uh, and uh, I remember the first song of yours that I heard, a fantastic version in 2008 of Your Grace is Enough. Uh, tell us what you love about yeah. that song. Well, you know, it's funny is that I actually wrote that song um, when a relationship failed. I was single and and, uh, and thank goodness it didn't work out. Otherwise, I wouldn't have married my beautiful wife. So I'm very, I'm very grateful for that, you know. To quote Garth Brooks, some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. Um, <laughs> I um, I I was just going through a difficult time. I think I was lonely. I think a lot of people in their twenties can tend to struggle with loneliness, and and um, was struggling with the will of God. And I just turned to the two things: the Psalms and you know Paul's letters. And in the Psalms, I found David saying to God over and over again, "Remember your people. Remember the covenant covenants you made. Remember your promises." Because you know, in Jewish culture, when you remember somebody, they physically become present, or the things that you said, the promises that you made, they become present in that moment, just as powerful as the day that you made them. And um, and in Paul's letters, and, and you know, there's one particular passage, he's struggling with something he calls a thorn in his side, and he says, three times I asked the Lord, please take this away. Each time Jesus said to him, my grace is sufficient for you in your weakness. And for whatever reason, it was ten years ago this year, um, I, I realized that that Christ said in my weakness. He didn't say outside of my weakness or despite it or when I feel like I actually have it most together. He said when your weakness, when you're at your weakest point, that's actually when grace is most sufficient. Mm-hmm. And so I I was like I need to write about this and sing it so that my head can can remember what my heart knows. You know, Cause I, and I think that's. A lot of, there's a lot of times in our life where we, we, you know, we know the truth of God's Word. We know something to be true, 
but we don't always have the feelings to back it up. And I think that's why we're singing truth. The truth of God's Word is so important because it grounds us in that truth regardless of what our emotional output is at any given moment. Well, I certainly uh, love that song, Your Grace is Enough. And just so, you know, for a personal, on a personal note, my daughter is named Grace, and she loves it. She, mm-hmm. she sings it all the time. <laughs> I bet she does. Uh, very cool. That's now, great. Another one of your songs that has really impacted me and I think is so well written is a song called Turnaround. Um, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the lyrics say, if you're scared that you don't matter, if you're lost and you need to be found, if you're looking for a saviour, all you got to do is turn around. Tell us how that song came about. Well, it's funny. I wrote that song right at the time that I was engaged um, to my wife, Kristen, and I got to know her family, and she comes from a, have, having a big extended family, and there's um, her dad has like six brothers. I mean, it's like crazy. There's like a ton of them, and they're all over the spectrum in terms of belief, you know, but they're all really, really great guys, hardworking fellers. And I think hanging around with them, it sort of reminded me of the sort of the, the, the bare bones, sort of blue collar element of the gospel that, you know, Christ came, he changed the world with fishermen and not Pharisees, you know? And, um, and that central message of the gospel of that call to repentance, it's the, we lose so much over, over time, you know, in the scriptures. We, we can sometimes lose, we don't lose the truth, but we can lose the depths of what Jesus was saying. And, you know, the word repent literally means turn the opposite direction that you've been heading. Turn 180 degrees and go the other way. And so I think for me, I just started thinking more about just that central nature of the call to repentance for all believers, you know, and it's it's a call that continually happens, you know, because it, it, that's the thing we always tell people, you know, outside the church, right? We say, you know, God isn't worried about where you are or how far you are from him. He's only worried about which direction you're headed, mm-hmm. you know? Because you're either walking to him or you're walking away from him. There's there's no in-between. There's no standing still. And um, so I think for me with Turnaround, I, I kind of wanted to get write a song that was a little bit more just kind of bare bones in that sense of addressing people in the church who maybe feel far off, you know, over time because they're tired or they're weary or worn out by the world, or people are just completely outside the spectrum of Christianity and and might end up hearing the song on the radio. And and um, so that's really what I tried to do with that song. And I think I've loved rock and roll my whole life. And there's something about that in the American um, sort of language of music that I think it reaches out to people. It's There's a rootsiness to it that I think that people will always associate in some ways with Christianity because... You know, um, they're both, they're both, they both have a timeless quality to them, obviously. Now, I'm just loving the uh, the look of this album. It's called All the People Said Amen. And uh, if I read through the list of some of the artists that have performed, uh, you've got some studio recordings, some live, uh, along the, the likes of uh, Trevor Morgan. Uh, you've got Christy Knuckles, uh, who's uh, sung with the Passion Band many times, Christian Stanfield, uh, Maya Fields. You've got some, uh, some incredible people joining you for this project. Tell us, how did this project come about? Well, it was really the opportunity of me and my wife and I just moved to Nashville and we're kind of getting settled here and my life's been through a period of transition and I think it was an opportunity for me to kind of just stop and just kind of go take a look just to see where I've been and where I'm headed. You know, God, 
for me as a believer, I just tend to see so much of what God has done by looking back. I think so many times in our lives we don't really have a clue what God is doing. You know, it's only when we get a few feet ahead of the present moment and kind of turn around and kind of look back at the past, we go, oh, my goodness, I can't believe what you've done, Lord, in my life. And um, so this is an opportunity to kind of take songs that have impacted the church, um, both worldwide, but also as we've been touring here in the States, and try to combine them together, record multiple nights all over the country, and and try to capture different moments. And I think for me it just comes from growing up and knowing that I loved live records. I loved live music. I loved... Because I think that's where the real magic, the real magic of music happens, is in the moment of it, of hearing it live. And, and I think with worship music especially, because... You know, the the secret sauce to any worship song, Matt Redman says this all the time, it's, you know, the special ingredient to worship music, it's the church. That's what makes worship music so powerful, is hearing the church sing it. It's not just hearing somebody up on a platform singing a song. It's you're singing the song with them and not right. up, but you're in a room full of believers and we're all proclaiming this together. And so I think that was the real goal with this record, was to sort of have a musical collage collection of songs and different fragments from all over the place, different relationships and people that I've been, you know, obviously for the folks from Passion, been a huge, Passion's been a huge part of my my life, and the, the, I, I'm just such a huge cheerleader for everything that they do, and love to get to write with them, and, you know, we have, we have great friendship together, and Mia Fields is a great friend you know, from, from Australia, from Sydney, from Hillsong, and um, we've you know, she's, she's co-written several songs now on different records, and, you know, she lives here in Nashville and, you know, comes over and hangs out with my wife and watches TV, and, you know, so it's like, to me, this record really is just, a, you know, and I got to use the band that I've been touring with for for many, many years. They actually recorded these four new songs in the studio, and so, uh, and they're the ones who are playing on all the live tracks, so it's really a labor of love, um, you know, of my whole life, and just kind of a chance to just take us, you know, I love that Jacob would stop occasionally and build an altar for the Lord. And, I, and to me, I think that's just really what this record is. It's me stopping on the journey that I'm on, not stopping period. I haven't, I, I'm not done in, at all in music, but just to stop for a moment and just build an altar to the Lord and just say like, this is what you've done, God. This is what you've done so far through this meager ministry of mine, the songs that I've written and, I just want to stop for a moment and celebrate it and lift it up to you and say thank you. Thank you for doing this and thank you for letting me be part of it and and let's keep going. <laughs> <laughs> well, Matt Maher, it's been a pleasure to chat with you today. I reckon you're a history maker. And, uh, mate, if people want to find out more, I guess the website's the best place to go. It's uh, mattmarmusic.com. That's Matt, M-A-H-E-R, mattmarmusic.com. Yeah. Also, I know you're on Facebook, you're on Twitter. And uh, God bless you. Thanks so much for your time. And we'll hope to see you down under sometime. Thank you. We'd love it. Thanks for joining us on History Makers. If you'd like to listen to this interview again, just go to historymakers.tv. There you'll find links to Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. You can subscribe to our iTunes podcast or check out our YouTube clips. And you can find out about History Makers TV. We are a faith-based ministry and we appreciate every donation. 
You know, the vision of History Makers is to share the good news of Jesus Christ to the nations of the world. If you'd like to partner with us, send us an email, info at historymakersradio.com. God bless you. Have an awesome day. I'm Matt Prater, and why don't you go and make history? History Makers. History Makers is proudly sponsored by Bible League, who serve the local church and other partners around the world by providing Bibles, scripture materials, and training to help people meet Jesus. They provide God's Word to a lost and needy world. Bible League plants Bibles in prisons, among persecuted Christians, and in poor nations, bringing the love and light of Christ into many people's lives around the world. Make history today by joining our friends at Bible League and planting a Bible that will help someone meet Jesus. Go to bl.org.au. Station sponsor.